Hey everybody, welcome to Outspoken, episode 65. Um, I am your host, Justin White, and I'm rather tired at the moment. Um, I had a long day. I gave my kitty cat a blood glucose curve, which means I had to draw her blood, poke, poke her in the ear vein every two hours for 12 hours. So a total of seven different, very stressful and emotionally wrought. Um, I mean, it shouldn't have been that big a deal, I guess. Um, and I one at one time thought I was going to be a vet. There's no way I'm cut out to be a vet. Um, I just can't be sticking pointy things into animals. It makes me too sad. And this is my sweet baby, Maddie, who... Um, just could not be any sweeter. So it's extra difficult to, um, you know, torture her in that way. But she made it through. I made it through a little worse for wear, uh, but still kicking. And I want to say thank you to Eva and to my daughter for helping me out today, making it a little bit less difficult and so now I'm down in my basement, which is really more of a dank uh, crawl space. <laughs> no, it's not. You don't have to crawl, but you have to duck if you're my height. Um, and I fixed it up, made it into more of a workshop and a little hangout area. But it's not where I want to be. I want to be in my bed watching TV or something and going to sleep. But um, that's where I'm headed next. And enough about me. Let's talk about my friend Juliet. Uh, she is a return visitor. She was on episode 15 way back when. And um, I, at the time, did not know her very well. We had only met uh, once before, I think, and under uh, trying circumstances. And uh, so... Somehow we managed to, in only a couple of meetings, become quite good friends, I think. We just, I think we just sort of understand each other. Um, and we enjoy talking, and so we decided to talk again about some different stuff. And, you know, one time I was uh, watching Godzilla rip apart some buildings, and it was pretty cool. spectrum yeah of that just that one yeah <laughs> just, just that one <laughs> just yelling out curse words mm -hmm. i'm on that spectrum i am <laughs> i love it do you say do you say curse or swear uh it's probably interchangeable i would reckon okay because i grew up saying like don't swear like swearing is bad you know like we always use the word swear and then I'm being british i'm like don't curse okay so it's british but it's also like um it's also in the African-American. That's so true. And I'm 12.5% African, so I can go either way. You, oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. you, have a, you did a, did you do a DNA thing? Yes. That's cool. So how much of your, how much of all of your scope do you know? 12.5. And then I've got a little Jew, basically Sammy Davis Jr. 
Okay. I'm not, I'm not at all really. A lot of um, Irish, Welsh, Scottish-ish, all of that. I have some of those. And then Latin, because it's Puerto Rican background. So, you know, the Moors invaded Spain, la, la, la. You know, what do you want? <laughs> you get a little... Okay. So, you know, you know, Puerto Rican, uh, you know, like the direct lineage going that far? Is that just one generation? My mom knows the um, church and my, I think my sister went to the church where her grandparents were married in Puerto Rico. So she had that knowledge and we just know that that's the heritage. So, you know, Puerto Ricans look like Ricky Martin to like very dark black folks. There's a really right. big range there, depending upon how much African blood or how much Spanish blood you have. Period. Right. Got it. Either Spanish or more or the Moors. Mm-hmm. Do you know much of that history or did you prior to knowing your history? Not really. I mean, I knew the history of my grandfather being dark skinned and working in the sun. He worked at MGM for 47 years and he got called the N word his whole life. Really? Yeah. That- what, what did he do at MGM? He was a gaffer, but he was also early years a professional boxer that used to like go to the ring hungry to feed the family. And then if he got a purse, he drank it. Wow. He had a really, really heavy, hardcore alcoholic. Like he'd get, he'd get his check from MGM and they wouldn't see him for two days. And my mom tells me horrible stories about her mom taking her to a bar as a baby, holding onto her, like trying to get some money out of him for food. Oh my God. So horrible when we're talking about this. I wonder if that's just what you do. Like if you're not, if you're, if you're just like have a hard luck life, you just go drink your check every, every time, you know, I mean, it's what a lot of people do and still do. They did it then they do it now. It's true. I'm a member of the American Legion. You can, you can go, they open at noon. I used Uh to feed the feral cats there. Like we're on a volunteer ship to feed the feral cats. And if I fed them at like 1130, there would be guys in their 80s, waiting in their cars for the doors to open. Yikes. Just to get the free booze? Not free. I mean, cheap. And they had already been to other places because there's bars that open at 6 a.m. Right. That I mean, that alone tells you a lot about what the culture expects from people. The bars, you know, bars are closed from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And these and they- are a lot of vets. And PTSD is a new term. I mean, you don't know how long they suffered. There's World War II vets that go to this place. Vietnam vets, Korean conflict vets. I don't know what they went through, and they don't want to talk about it. They're not of a therapy generation, and PTSD was not a diagnosis. It was shell shock. Right. You know? Right. Which fuck knows what that means. That's terrible. I know. I mean, that's scary. Just the term itself is scary, but to knowing what it means and knowing that it could be applied to pretty much everyone that went through the, either of the first two, any, any war, anybody that goes through war is shell shocked, you know, traumatized. I, I, you saw, did you see those pictures of me going? Yeah, you did. Of me going to the firing range and firing um, fully automatic weapons. We talked about that. Yeah. We talked a little about it. You want to talk some more about your, the sort of revelation that you had? It was really, yeah, it was, it was, Golly, uh, it was kind of emotional. So it was my friend's 50th and there I went with six guys and five of them are spastic gun enthusiasts. Like, And also he's beyond incredibly wealthy. So 
he chose, you know, what he wanted, which is he didn't want any of this semi-automatic. He's like, I own eight of those. I own five of those. I've already fired that. I've already fired that. So he went through the fully automatic package. He paid, I guess, $800 a person. I mean, that seems a lot. Mm -hmm. And... So what are these guns? What's the what's the fully automatic that you want? Uh, I shot an Uzi, an M3, a 1919, and I can't remember the names of a lot of the other ones because there were so many. Jesus. But you shot all that. You shot, there's just like one after another after one another? One after another after another. And one of the guys that was there that I'm friendly with is an ex-NYPD police officer and um, I had to step outside because it's so jarring and so loud because it's indoor shooting, and it's so frightening. That, to me, it was that I had to step outside, and, and he came into the hallway with me, and he's like, listen, babe, I know that this is really jarring. He's like, nobody should ever have to point a gun at a human, mm -hmm. and this is somebody who I, I don't know if he was in the military, but he was, you know, an NYPD officer. Oh, yeah. So took a job where there's a high likelihood he might have to point a gun at a human. And I was like, Bird, I I agree. I I can't even imagine what that's like. I'm a, I'm mildly traumatized by shooting it at a paper target with a you know like a a gremlin on it or whatever. Right. I was like, this is um this is kind of intense. And he was like, it's going to be okay. He's like, come on. And he was like, or don't do it, or do whatever you want to do. And he was really kind to me about it. And the other guys were just like having a full jerk off. Like they were just, they didn't even know where, if I was in the room, like, which is great. That, that's why it's a birthday party and you do that. But I guess so. But you also are supposed to notice when your friends are in need. They called me a pussy a couple of times. That was fun. But <laughs> these are my guy friends. And like, I get it. I was the only girl there and I didn't, I believe I was not offended actually. But then I brought my target in at the end and I unrolled it and I'm like, look at this, bitches. I prefer to be called badass now because my target was better than all of them. And I was like, what do you think now? And even the instructor was like, women tend to be better than men. I can't explain it. And I was like, well, here you go. So now they all call me badass, whether in text, email, or person. Oh, good. You earned, you earned the title. I did, but... So, all right. So tell me about what it was like shooting them like what's the what is what are the sensations what do you what's running through your head when you're shooting knowing it's a paper target but knowing what they're actually intended for so first and foremost and 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 most importantly um there is no human being that needs that gun right none i agree and I could, I could like tear up right now explaining to you that all I had to do was do a very light squeeze and I could have killed a crowd of people. And I, that sounds horrifying to say, but reality. Well, that's what those guns are made for. I mean, that's <laughs> shooting how many rounds a, a second I don't, or a minute? I don't, I don't even know. I, the guy was like, you can't even count to six. Well, I was so focused and wanted to do everything right and, and safe. And I was just so focused. I, I couldn't count to six or tell him my name, but nobody should have those guns. And I really went in there because I wanted to understand what they were. We all understand the maskers on TV. We all hear the name of the guns. We all but I don't know what those guns are. I wanted, I've shot a handgun before. I've shot a rifle before. Um, nobody should have those guns. And I mean, fucking nobody. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's scary that they exist. It's scary how many of them there are. It's scary that they're being constantly made all day, every day and shipped all over the world. And it's scary how much people seem to love shooting them. You know, you had, I mean, it's a pretty to go shoot up some shit. Yeah, it was a rush, but I'm not going to tell you that it was a good rush. It was a lot of adrenaline based on fear for me. Uh-huh. And they didn't get that, and they don't have to. That doesn't matter. Um, well, that's what I mean. I mean, that's a little upsetting that that doesn't – it's not like that for more people, you know? It should be traumatizing to be, hear a shitload of guns going off at once. Yeah, it was really, I remember at one time I like leapt into the arms of the young man teaching me and he put his arm around me. He's like, it's okay, breathe. Cause like I wasn't breathing mm-hmm. um, because other sounds around me were just too loud. I just didn't like them. It just, I have my own PTSD, you know, and it right. was just too, too loud. And um, I got scared and that's okay. But it was, and just it and you know my niece is dating a a kid right now that is a hunter he goes out with his family shoots birds and sometimes deer and i'm like okay let me ask you this because i'm a former vegan but now i eat some meat Mm -hmm. and i'm like do you use everything do you eat do you eat them is it for fun he's like no we use every part of the animal and we eat every part of the animal that's edible and I'm like, well, you're better than me because I buy it in a nice, pretty package in the grocery store, so I can't fault you. I can't. Right. If that's really what the, the it's about, and they're not over killing, then I don't see, I don't have much of an issue with it. Aside from the fact that every animal that's shot from a, by a long range rifle never stood a chance and didn't, you know, they don't. There's no sport in that, and I don't think anyone should consider themselves a sportsman. If that's the kind of, if that's what hunting is for you, just go hide somewhere so the animal has no idea you're there and then they're dead before they, you know. Well, or is it better to like raise the cows and line them up in a line and kill them in front of their friends? I mean, no, no way. That's not better. No. Not I think, better. I mean, I think that probably, I mean, if you're going to eat animals, certainly doing it yourself, including the, the gutting and, you know, the stripping, well, the, everything is a, a more you have more ground to stand on than someone who like you said buys it at the grocery store I, um, I mean I, I think that the idea that there is a humane way to kill something is a little bit odd I mean, <laughs> and also the fact that the word humane has anything to do with humans is also a little ironic uh, I think we're the least humane species on the planet Anyone else who's doing any killing is not doing it in any way uh, other than, you know, through instinct and need. And I think we are the only ones that perverted it into a sport and, uh, and, and the only ones that go around killing our own species, you know? It's really hard. To, it's depressing. And, I, and I'm depressed sometimes that I'm not vegan, but having lost 64 pounds because I'm actually lazy and I'm eating lean meat because I'm too lazy to do it vegetarian um, <laughs> is a conversation I have within myself often. Well, I can, I can hear some, a lot of judgment and blame there. And I would, I'd encourage you to try to see it a different way because it's you're, what you're doing is taking care of yourself and you're doing it in a way that is manageable for you. And you don't need to add any more complications or difficulties to that. You know, it's a big deal 
what you're doing. So I think you should just, you know, give yourself credit for doing it in any way. And the way that you're doing it is great. It's working for you. Thanks, so, honey. That's nice to hear. Yeah. And I, and I, that's the honest to God truth. I just have to remind myself of that, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to remind you and I'm reminding myself too, because I have lots of self criticism about all kinds of shit like that. Oh, I used too much water in the shower today. Oh, I, I shouldn't have. Why didn't I get the smaller coffee filters or what, you know, just like insane shit that I can beat myself up for all day long and it does no good. So you're, if you're conscious and conscientious and doing your best, then you're already way ahead of the game and you're doing a service to humanity by making an effort. I'm the proverbial winning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sheen. Thanks for putting that in the lexicon forever. Yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're doing great. Well, do you want to talk about that at all? Is that a? Is that a? Yeah, sure. You you made a choice to get more health conscious, right? Is that a, good, a fair way to put it? Oh, or how? Well, yeah. How it's it's it? it's um. Well, here this is kind of the crux. So. I know last time I talked about Alexis dying and how horrible it was. And there's an awfully lot of times that myself, my friend Luke and Alexis were in the room alone together. And there was one particular time where we knew Alexis was, you know, probably not going to make it. And that was the time that they decided to talk to me about my weight. And I thought, well, this is fucking lovely, isn't it? But uh, these are two people I love, so it's fine. And Luke being the only person in his family that is not obese. He is the only non-obese person in his family. Perfect body weight, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then he dropped dead of a stroke Ugh. in May, right? So heartbreaking. No medication, no bad anything. And it really, 52, and it really gave me a pause of like, I know, what am I doing? You know, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm continuing to be overweight. I'm drinking. I'm smoking. I mean, you know, it's like, what the fuck are you kidding mm -hmm. me? You know, <laughs> yeah. so, that was added on to the fact that I had watched my sister lose 50 pounds my sister-in-law lose 60 pounds and like four other friends on this health program that we're on. And um, I didn't really want to join their bandwagon. It felt a little uh, culty, or I'm not sure what it felt like. I did, listen, I had You're a, just not a joiner. It's I, probably and I had a million excuses as to why I didn't want to do it. And I was really happy when my sister was fat because she was never fat in my life, and I, I was so happy she joined my team. She was miserable, but I was thrilled. Oh. And then when she lost the weight, I was, you know, a little bit jealous. And then I was like, oh, shit, do I want to do this too? And then I was like, okay, okay. Well, you know, nothing works. I've done it all. Like if you named any diet, you're a fella, so you don't know them all. I hate to categorize you, but it's true. Well, I've also just had a crazy fast metabolism my whole life. So I'm, my you problem is oh. I know. I'm sorry. But it, it, it's actually, yeah, well, I won't talk about it. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm underweight. I'm, I should weigh another 20 pounds probably. No, and I get it. And that's equal, equal a problem. And I don't know if it's equal a problem. I don't, I mean, I don't think it is, at least in this society. I think it's much harder for overweight people. They're just, they're, you know, it's just another category where you can be, you know, 
well, criticized or put aside. Or and put another tip of the iceberg was a mutual friend of ours gained 50 pounds, I think, to play a part. And I remember walking down a street with her in New York City and I was like, what does it feel like to be heavy? Because she, she has never been heavy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I feel invisible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck me. That was that the first you, that it occurred to you, like in that way? Um, I didn't feel invisible to people because I'm gregarious and I will make myself visible very quickly. But I felt invisible to men. Uh-huh. And so that was a big thought process in the beginning as well. I didn't, I no longer wanted to be invisible to men because fat chicks are fun. And, you know, it's a terrible old joke, but what do a fat chick and a moped have in common? They're fun to ride, but nobody wants to be seen riding one, you know, which is a horrible joke, but I'm going to tell you, it's kind of cool. (laughs) So, you know, whether you're health conscious and you, you, you know, Maybe we biologically look at people and if we want to live long, we want to be with somebody that's going to get live longer. Or maybe we just want to bang a chick that's 20 years younger that has fake tits. Who knows? So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that play in there. But um, the reality is that I had gone to the doctor. I was pre-diabetic. I was on a pill for high blood pressure. And then, you know, that's uh, weird. I, I don't want that. I don't want any of that. No. So I started the project and um, when I'm six months in, I've lost 64 pounds. So that's a good result. It, it, I don't cheat and I just keep going because I have another hundred pounds to lose, which is. Based on your own goal or what, or how does that, how does it work? Or just based on your ideal weight? I don't have an ideal weight because I've never been an ideal weight in my life. I've, I've never been at a proper weight from birth to now, but I'm guessing cause I started this program at 336 pounds. So understand that I'm in the 170 range, excuse me, 270 range and 170 is another hundred pounds. And for a five, nine woman that may or may not be a good weight. We'll see. But it's yeah. not like when I tell people I have a hundred more pounds to lose, they're like, how is that possible? Then no, 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 that might be unhealthy. And I'm like a way over 270. Think about that. And they're like, Oh shit. I'm like, yeah. Um, well, and you, you, that's what you want to do, right? It's not just like here, that's the rules. It's more like, Oh, fuck no. the more I lose, the more I can walk, the more I can lift things, the more I can, that's what I was going to say. Get on planes. I got on a plane to go to Vegas last weekend and I did not need a seatbelt extender for the first time. Nice. That, that must have felt awesome. Fucking amazing. I forgot to bring it and I just clicked the seatbelt and I was like, hell yeah. I'm like, that, that works out nicely. I was really excited. You must, uh, you must have forgotten on purpose. You needed to have that. I needed to check it out. Like that's a yeah. big deal. There's a lot of things when you're obese that are like a really big deal. Can you talk about more of them? Do you mind? No. Um, what are some common issues that some people might not consider? Um, golly, an airplane's such a big deal. Um, you know what? Everything's a big deal. I just moved and I moved house and I'm a single gal. So I packed everything, picked up each box, stacked it, you know, like you do. You and did then- the move. And then I hired a couple movers in a U-Haul, but I lifted a lot of those boxes and walked them from point A to point B. And 
at the time, I think I was 50 pounds, let's say I'd lost 50 and none of those boxes weighed 50 pounds. And I remember carrying one 20 paces and I teared up. I was alone and I was like, how the fuck did I get out of the car at Trader Joe's, carry this box all the way into Trader Joe's, carry it all the way around, then carry groceries on top of it, get in my car and go home? How did I do that? Wow. How did I do that? Like it's it's un, unimaginable. Well, it's so it's it's cool that you already are looking back on it like a distant memory. Like you it's just going to keep feeling better, right? Every week it's just like a different little I mean, some things are like I couldn't explain to like an average size person, but just the way that I walk is different. The way that I like I'm in I'm in a hysterical moment because all of I won't buy new clothes yet because you can't buy new clothes every two months. It's just right. It's not right. right. So I mean I look slightly homeless or maybe a little special in a okay. because I just wear big ass clothes like huge and I'm sure people are like wow what is that girl like it looks like you're just rocking like '90s hip hop. I could start wearing like a belt and like some high tops. Oh, I need to get some Air Jordan. That's what I need to do. And you need some jeans, some backward jeans. I'm, I could put mine on backwards now, no problem. So <laughs> I got this. So I'm, I am totally. I'm, I might try that tonight. You don't know what I'm going to do. I love it. I love. I love that. That's an option now. You start doing getting weird with your wardrobe. What if, what if you started getting into alterations, like just made them all into different clothing items? I might do like, honestly, some of my like expensive jeans, like Neiman's and Nordstrom's, I might yeah. take them to an alterationist. But then how many times do you want to do that? Like, I'm just wearing the tight jeans and they're loose now, like they're supposed to be loose jeans. I'm just trying to pull it off. I like it. Well, just wait it, wait a bit longer and see what, you know, when yeah. you're approaching the, the pair of jeans that you are ready to fit in, you know? Totally. And it, it's just a game and it's kind of fun. And I, it, that's cool. So how, I mean, you say you don't cheat and that's awesome. So how does that, how hard is that for you? Like, are you somebody who, I don't, I don't want to put any labels on you, but would you call yourself an addictive personality? Is it, are you compulsive? Is it hard for you to quit things or change um, you know, that's so hard for me because I have to say yes, because I am addicted to cigarettes. Uh-huh. I, I didn't think I was addicted to food. I mean, I was a hardcore vegan for like four years on and off and I vegetarian longer and I didn't never strayed from that. And it wasn't like I just ate bread and, and fake butter the whole time. Like I ate whole foods, but the way this was explained to me and it to boost my, to get, I didn't have a metabolism. So no matter what I ate, it just stuck to me. And so this is working, but I, I, I went, I went to OA for like a year and, but I didn't identify with any of the people cause I don't hide in the closet and eat Oreos. I'm not a compulsive overeater. I just didn't ever have a metabolism. And apparently I've gained that. Why I don't cheat is that I don't want to die.
I think there was an allusion last time to your some of your other jobs, other professions in the oh, past. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> there were a couple in particular that I was fascinated with. Do tell. Just, well, you know, I don't have much firsthand experience with, well, I don't want to miscategorize or, or no, miss. No, no, say what you need to. I don't care. I'll, I'll correct you if you need it. <laughs> okay. Well, you were, you were in a couple of different uh do they qualify as sex work jobs? I think they do. You know, I don't know. Being a dominatrix, it's funny. Like, I think that they do qualify as sex work jobs. And I was briefly a dominatrix, which just because of my stature, I'm five foot nine. I'm sleeved with tattoos and long black hair. I mean, it pretty much fits the part. But um, what I found moreover is that a great number of the women that I met that were doing it, and it was in a capacity of like spanking men and no nudity and no sex. So let me be crystal clear on that. Okay. So if people do, uh, you know, if, I, I think that sex work is, is real work if your head's in the right place. And, and I, I'm not offended by it. Me neither. And I, I am, if you are enslaved to it or trafficked into it, that is a polar opposite of what I'm saying. But understand. Yeah, but, you're, but the, the part you're objecting to there is the enslavement or, you know, the kidnapping part of it. Not the, not the, you know, sex is, is, is cool if, you know, I think regardless of what's exchanged, as long as everybody's cool with it. Precisely. And I have friends that are strippers that, you know, really, you know, some of them enjoy themselves, some of them don't, but, you know. Yeah, I've known both as well. Right. Friends who loved it, friends who hated it, friends who went through the, the whole spectrum, um, but anyway, so yeah, spanking dudes, you know, it pays like two fifty an hour, so that's good. That's nice money. Was but, it just spanking, or what? What was the full extent of the? I mean, really, it's a lot of talking, and it's some spanking. It's a lot of verbal humiliation because that's a bent for these folks. Yeah. Um. So it, you know, you really have to get into a mindset to do this. And what was that hard for you to do? Yeah, uh, not it... in the beginning initially, but at the end of the day, I am. This is going to sound judgmental, but I'm just telling you who I am. I am relatively disgusted by submissive men. Yeah, I don't think that's, I mean, that's just your personal take. That's not really a judgment necessarily. I found that the dominatrixes that did the best work and had longevity and made the most money were turned on by it. Yeah, 
that's kind of the sense I get. I mean, I don't, I haven't participated and I've, I guess I've watched some, uh, if I'm being honest, but, um, I don't really like it because I don't, I also don't like, I don't like submissive anybody really. I, I think it's just a weird, especially if it turns you on to be either the sadist or the recipient of sadism. Masochist. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the word for it, but I was trying to use sadism. <laughs> sadist or masochist. You're one or the other in that realm. Or you're a sadomasochist, but right. Can't a person be both? Um, You can be what's called a switch. Absolutely. But I find that the lines are pretty defined. And if I have to be honest, I think that I've learned that it's, Oh gosh, this is so judgmental, but uh, I think it's a lot of, okay. There's a large grouping within the S and M community. That is a group of fucked up people just trying to get off in a possible way that they can. Right. And if it, if it requires that much, I, it, it, it kind of, I lose interest. Yeah. I'm the same way. It just seems like it's more of a, more of a, like you need therapy more than you need to be having sex or have your balls stomped. Yes. And I remember I was living in Philadelphia and there was the, the head kind of dominatrix there was like, I have a client. I want you to see him. He pays four fifty an hour. He's a politician from DC. He likes to have his dick burned, uh, cut and then cauterized with cigarettes. I'm really oh, busy on Monday. Do you mind doing it? And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Holy shit. So that's something she did like routinely does for this guy. Absolutely. It was going to be out of town that week. And I was like, yeah, no. And then that was sort of the end of my small career. Is that really what ended it? You just decided this is not what I want? Yeah. I was like, well, I can't grow in this industry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you, you can grow into a monster, I guess. I just, that wasn't well, for me. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, did you do did you do anything else along those lines, or is that your is that as close as you came to? No, it's too big to get on a pole, so nope, that was it. <laughs> you didn't do just straight up sex uh, phone line phone like back. Oh, uh, that's right. I was a hooker booker. I t- I told you about that. What didn't I? <laughs> I think so. That's why I I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah, if it- no, you're right. I was a hooker booker. Um, that was like the funny term for it. So. I don't think I've ever heard that. I had a friend that worked there. We went to a really nice office building in Century City, I think. This is 29 years ago or something. And um, you'd sit at a desk and you'd have a folio in front of you with laminated pages where you would have to turn really fast to see who they were calling for because the gentleman that owned this place had um, escorts in like Texas and all over all different States. And so wow. somewhere in California, some other places, so you have to turn really quick to the woman and you have to try to talk like her. Okay. And I was like, I don't know why I'm not an actor on it. Well, I'm probably just because I'm not good at it, obviously from these jobs, but anyway, so <laughs> you like turn the page and be like, hi, how are you? Yeah, this is Savannah. Uh huh. What were you interested in tonight? I can't wait to meet you. You know. So you sort of had to have their little their personalities memorized and just be able to flip. How how many were there? How many pages in the? Oh my goodness! There was like fifty different escorts. And you just had to like in that instant become the 
whoever that person was. And, and that's what I thought <laughs> like that person would be. Yeah. It was just a weird choice. I don't know. It made a weird choice. Wow. So when the caller, I don't, you, I don't know if you know, but th- these are actual people that you were imitating or was the caller told like, Oh no, this is- I, I'm imitating the person. I'm, I'm pretending like I am the person. I set up the meeting. I get their credit card information and then somebody else calls the escort and tells them where they're meeting them and what time. And it could, it's a totally different person. They might have a completely different voice and demeanor and right. cadence to their everything. It could be totally different. Yep. Wouldn't that freak the person out, the John? I mean, sometimes they were like, you don't sound like you do on the phone. But uh-huh. I, mean, I wouldn't get too terribly much feedback because I would just answer the phone, you know, five minutes later and be like, hi, this is Lynn, you know, whatever. Wow. So did you have to do like accents and like I mean, country I, twine? I, kept, I kept it neutral. Okay. But I felt like the girls in Texas maybe had a tiny bit of twang. So I just put a little in. Why not? Yeah. You kind of, you got to convince the cowboys. And I remember one time a guy, an, uh, perceivedly Middle Eastern fellow called and he's like, do you speak Greek? And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I had asked somebody and it meant, do I like butt sex? Really? That's what that's code for speaking Greek? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know. That's amazing. So I was like, no, I speak a little Spanish. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> <laughs> little did you know that means like, you know, uh, Tabasco on the, on the clit or something. Yeah. No, it just means butt sex. Settle down. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> they all mean they all mean butt sex then. Well, it, speaking Greek means. No, no, I knew. I was saying that speaking Spanish, you, you, unbeknownst oh, to you. Oh God, you're right. Holy shit, you're right. Oh God. story from your childhood that would be delightful and and uplifting or exciting or that would be reaching <laughs> <laughs> anything with a good uh you know just to get us up out of the the doldrums god i had a pretty rough childhood i'm not sure let me think let me think let me think well you can tell me that stuff too i mean you know i like talking about personal stuff and not not just to like make people uncomfortable, although I'm sure that's I've done that many times. Um, but because it's interesting, it's what makes us, right? It's what shapes who we are, all the shit that happens to us. Did I tell you the story about going to Hawaii with my family like I don't think eight so. years ago? Okay, so I, my, my childhood's pretty dark, so let's fast forward. Okay. So my brother has kids. He's very well healed, and so they have a very uh, two loving parents, uh, you know, kind of unlimited wealth, and you know, good people, good liberal people are raising them. So it's it, it's 
they're neat kids. So it was maybe 10 years ago and there was a family trip planned to Hawaii. And I, I, I don't take time off work, like let alone over a week. And he was like, look, we're going to go to Maui. We're going to stay at this resort. It's beautiful. I want you to go. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can take a week off work. I appreciate that you like retired early and you can, but I, I don't think that's, that's what I can do right now. Cause I, I work for myself and yeah, you know, that's just, I don't, it's not like I get vacation pay. And I get, he was, I could tell getting frustrated. And I'm like, wait, the twins were like, at the time, I want to say that they were like, well, let's see, 10 years ago. So they were seven. And um, I was like, oh, God. And he, he just, he called me. He's like, I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, well, what is it? And he's like, when you're dying, you're not going to remember that the times that you were sitting at your desk. You're going to remember the times that you were with your family having fun. I'm paying for everything. Would you go? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so... In that case, this is when I was scared to death to fly. So, five and a half hours over water, uh, oh. I was like, This, it was horrible. I get there, they put the lay on you. There's a my tire or something, so it, it recovers pretty well once you get there. And this resort that we stayed at was like top drawer, delicious, amazing. Uh-huh. And there was a series of pools and a I heard that there was a swim-up bar. I never had seen a swim-up bar in real life, so I couldn't wait to see a swim-up bar. Uh-huh. So me and the kids, so I'm like, all right, let's get in the pool. I'm like, you guys, I'm ready to find this swim-up bar, which is super appropriate to ask seven-year-olds to take you to. So oh, yeah. they were like, we know where it is. Follow us. <sighs> At the time, I'm 336 pounds, right? Or, you know, 300-something. Right. So... Water's really good for fat people because you're buoyant and you don't feel like, you know, it feels good. Right. So I'm I'm in the first pool and they're like, okay, now we got to get out. And it's not like step out. It's like the metal, like grab it, stairs on the wall of the pool, get out a little tougher at a big, big weight. And okay. I get out that way and I'm out. And then they're like, okay, this one. And we literally were in five pools getting in and out that way what super fun and one of them was like a lazy river with the lazy river going the current was the opposite way i was going so there was a workout involved here but these seven-year-olds are like leapfrogging come on what are you doing come on let's go i'm like where (laughs) is the fucking bar now i'm swearing at children Uh they're like it's just keep going keep going i'm like okay so we get to perceivedly like the top because there's nothing else. I think I've been in five pools and they're like, okay, this way. It's a water slide. Oh, they don't realize yeah, that I am like as big as I am. They just don't get it, you know? Right. And I'm like, oh, 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 okay. And there's no way to go down or up now from where we are. So I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to do this. So I assume the position, I get to the bottom of the water slide in pretty good fear, but I make it and there's like an undertow and I stand up and there is a extremely large Samoan man at the end. That's the lifeguard sitting in a chair and he gave me two thumbs up. Nice. And I was like, 
I made it. He was impressed. I was impressed. It was great. And then the funny part was they took me around the backside of the swim up bar because their, their agenda was to get me to go down the water slide. It was two pools down and then they showed it to me. And I, it would have been, you could have just gone the other way and been there in like half a minute. Totally. And That's I a- respected them for that. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So they actually did con- like they, they conspired to lure you to the, and, to, like, and they're they probably did it mentally like weirdos. I don't know, you know. That's amazing. It was pretty good. It's still like the greatest story ever because I've relived my, I've relived like a healthy childhood through that. That's awesome. That's good. That's a good thing about kids. You get to be, you know, you get to see what innocence feels like again. Now they're and seventeen have- and drinking and vaping, so it's great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, that's that's. Yeah, that's the sad part. It kind of always goes toward that. Do what the adults do. And the adults are doing some dumb shit. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> that was but the best when the adults, experiences ever. That's a great one. When the adults do what the kids are doing, it turns out better, right? Jeepers. Yeah. And I mean, they've got good parents. Like, they don't smoke. They have a wine cellar they drink. But, you know, listen... They're privileged white children growing up in a community where very few people are less than millionaire status and the kids don't get a lot of no's. Everything's a yes. So when all you hear are yeses in your life, you give yourself yeses and it's kind of a, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it's also how I think how it just continues the, the yes, the people who have all the access just continue to believe that they should and will, and then they do. And I think it actually, the converse is true as well. Like people living in poverty or without enough are trapped. don't believe there'll ever be enough. They don't believe they'll ever get anything but a no. Yeah, it's called white privilege, I believe. It's a thing. Right. But it's also based, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to refuse that. And I'm not going to say anything to argue that. But um, the, the, the mental belief I think is perpetuated, you know, I think that every, like the thoughts that we think uh, do convey reality, you know, they, they turn into the reality that we perceive. Without question. I mean, why, you know, these kids are giving yes their whole life. They believe they can do anything. Everything is a yes. Yeah. And there's children, you know, I used to volunteer at a school in, in South Central in grade school, the children had never seen the ocean. It's seven miles away. Mm. They only have nose in their life, and that's all they're going to hear in their brain and say to themselves. It's yeah, it really messes up a whole, uh, you know, like generations. It it lasts. They just keep on. I mean, I think that it's what has to happen right now in in human. In, in the human world, we need to start uh, shifting toward the po- more positive views of things to get out of the nasty, ugly ones that we've oh, created. Oh, our current president will help us to do that, don't you? <laughs> well, somebody had to manifest the ugliness successfully enough that people would wake up and see that it's actually been there for a long time. Yeah, we're, we're actually if by choice having an awakening, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody likes it and it doesn't feel good, but I think it is necessary. 
and I hope that something comes out of it. I, I think it will. I just think it's going to be a long road. Um, but I think that seriously, what needs to start happening on an individual level is just to start do like be saying yes to, to yourself and to what is possible rather than no, this sucks. It's always going to be like this. And believing the yes that you hear from other people. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, I don't even, I mean, I'm here saying this is what we need to do, but I'm terrible at it myself. Like I've been in such a shitty negative funk for a really long time, actually. And uh, I'm, it's only when I talk to other people that I can kind of get out of it and see that uh, life can be really, really good. And if you start telling yourself the story that it isn't, I mean, there's, there are real things that happen to people that are painful and difficult and that makes life hard i think a lot of the time for a lot of people um and then what makes it harder is that nobody really talks about it or is allowed to talk about their true feelings and the true weight of it for them and then we're all supposed to put on a happy face and just go do go to work just go do your life and be appear to be okay i think it's really harmful that people are pretending that they're okay and i think we're finally enough shitty stuff has happened to enough people and enough people's eyes are open that now we have to admit like this, this hurts this is not a, the way we want to live. And the only way to not do it is to stop doing it. And we've been doing it and just perpetuating the same bullshit myth that it has to be this way. And, and then just falling into that trap again and again. So I when the hell is that, But I also, Things that even though, you know, we've read it, we've listened to it, we've seen it, I think societally we are still lacking gratitude and knowing how lucky we are, some of us. That's, I'm so glad you say, said that. That's like a, that's something I've been, I mean, I try to return to gratitude and I've come back to it many times through all these different avenues. But when it's not there, your life starts getting shitty and small like when you put it there because it's always there you're just not recognizing it yeah that's what i mean like when it's not when it's not being recognized yeah and it's 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 a practice it's like meditation it's a practice and you become good at it when you you know what is it anytime you do something ten thousand times you're an expert at it yeah i think that's malcolm gladwell said that or something Mm -hmm. or ten thousand hours he said oh sorry it is ten thousand hours that is correct But then somebody else said 21 days to to fix a habit, to start a habit or quit a habit. But gratitude is is sometimes tough to find in these times when we're in what a lot of, you know, my contemporaries believe is just such a dark time, such a negative political time. Um, But there's a lot to be grateful for, for fuck's sake. You know, the, the eyes that I'm looking at this computer, the ears that I have to hear you, like, it has to be as banal as that. I know. And that's amazing that we've gotten that far detached, that those are the things that we take for granted. And and all and like on top of those things, there are another 500,000 things that we now take for granted. You yeah, know? Look, at like our, being... look at our animals. Like, I'm so grateful I... I have these rescue babies and who rescued who, you know, that's a bumper sticker, but honest to God, it's the truth. Oh man, life would suck without animals. It really would. And just, there's so much to be grateful for. And just, it's a lot. Just 
so how do you do it? What's your practice? You know, it sometimes it um, it morphs throughout the years, but I do like the practice of, and I think this is easier for men, just because you have pockets in your trousers in the morning, typically. Uh-huh. just to grab whatever you put in your pockets and have a rock that is like your gratitude rock. And when you pick it up, you just say X amount of things you're grateful for, put it in your pocket. And then when you empty your pockets at night, you recite it again. That's a really good practice. I just started doing something similar to that only in the mornings and, but with a rock and with a sort of mantra, it's like a mantra reminder. Uh, it was the way it was explained. Yeah, to me. Just get fucking real with it and just, yeah, you know when when we're when we're at our darkest times, I like and and I've been to some pretty dark places in life. It I just really go to the eyes that I'm looking at, the ears that I'm hearing with, the feet that I'm walking on. You know because I know people with I have I know somebody with no hands, no feet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like um, I'm I'm grateful that those are working. It just it has to be so banal for me sometimes to get it when I'm dark. And yeah. other days, you know, you get a good paycheck, you're you're walking on air, the dog is healthy, you're going on vacation. And those are the times you need to make sure that you're doing it again, because it's perceived, you know, that's your little high that you're on, but it has to have kind of its own equality, I feel, or its own. Right. It has to be all the time. And, you know, I, I, I talked to my brother who has just a charmed life and retired in his 50s and unlimited money and he's always really humbly. He says, I'm just so lucky. That's good. That's really good that he can acknowledge that or it's, or just see it that way and not be arrogant or self aggrandizing as a result. I mean, he does that occasionally, but (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't his, um, his ability to, just talk about how lucky he is, is a, is a good grounder to, to hear, you know, he's. Yeah. The problem in my mind, the problem is always when you compare, like it's only like things, things are bad when you think something else is better, you know, like it's, it's easy for somebody with unlimited wealth to, to be like, you know, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I get, I can just be a, person of leisure and do what I want. Uh, somebody who doesn't have unlimited wealth, but who has a pretty good life and likes their job and has good friends, that person should be able to be grateful for all those things. But then they look at the guy with unlimited wealth and they're like, God, I wish I had, you know, like my life isn't that great. I wish I had that. No, you can never do that. That's that. But that's what kills people. That's what everybody's doing is like the, whether it's for better or worse, comparing yourself to someone else is bad news. That, that goes against the laws of the universe. Yeah. But it's what we do. It's become human nature. It wasn't to begin with, but we've, we've made it. So. I mean, I think cavemen looked at other cavemen and were like, Oh, that dude's stronger. That fucker. You know what I mean? Right, but it started with with the Homo erectus. It didn't start with any other, you know. It wasn't the instinct initially. I don't think there. I mean, there have to be the the brain is a discerning machine. That's what it does. It like divides and categorizes. So, I think there has to be some of that. But I don't think that the value judgment was added until much later. It was more about just like practical stuff. Yeah, he's stronger, so I probably shouldn't fight him. No, but he uh, had more pelts. 
Right. That, that dude's definitely the king. He's he got all health. He had more bitches, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. He's dragging him around with and clubbing, clubbing girls left and right. <laughs> I mean, who knows, but. I saw Cave Girl. I saw the movie Cave Girl. That's exactly how it happened, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, absolutely. Carol Hannah, wasn't it? Oh, that's Corner of the Cave Bear. Oh, my fault. No, that's all right. You probably refer to the Jane Fonda one. Is that Cave Girl? Was she in that? Wait, what was hers called with... uh, Barbarella? uh, Well, there's that. And then she did another cave one. I feel like she was in fur. Could be Barbarella. Well, I'm I'm mixed. She had some furs in Barbarella, for sure. She had a bit. I think I'm blending. Well, I... I I blended it. I took. I brought it into the sci-fi realm only because thinking of Jane Fonda back then, I can't help but have Barbarella pop in. Oh, you know who it was? Who's that chick that every guy says he'd bang no matter what? And she's like, nighty, Sophia Loren. Didn't you do like a cave thing? I feel. Is it what? Did, what did you do like a cave-ish woman movie? Maybe. Sophia Loren most likely did do something like that. Yeah. Where she was in tattered, you know, rags and scantily maybe i need to make that a goal in life i'm not sure i'm still <laughs> i think it i think it should be right up there at the top i think <laughs> you don't know. well you're getting close with your baggy your baggy you know if you get some rips in those and start hanging out on the beach i just need some pelts you just need a few pelts. Well, you know, a hunter, and you've been shooting right, shooting Whoa, automatic. settled down. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have No, I couldn't either. Well, there's a lot of thrift stores in LA. Yeah, I can buy. I can buy my meat in a lovely package at the grocery store. But you could buy your pelts too, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that would fuck with me too. I'm so my heart is still so like plant based. Well, I'm sure there's a vegan. Uh, you know, leopard print pelt somewhere that you could wrap yourself in. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm on that. (laughs) Clan of the new cave girl. That's right. I'm I'm all over that. Wow, this this went south pretty quick. It did. My fault. (laughs) I think I think it might be time to uh, to call it quits. What do you think? Call it a whirl and just uh, edit this down to about three minutes and fifty six (laughs) seconds. Exactly. He was cool. It wasn't me. It was brief. <laughs> it was deep but brief. <laughs> hey, at least I didn't talk about shitting myself or anything. That's good. Well, now you are. Well, I mean, why not? I didn't shit myself in the last one, but I nearly did. So that's all. Now my mother can't listen to this. So again, here we are. <laughs> I can. We can make a PG version for her. Oh, sweet Jesus. Or or G general audiences. Oh my goodness. Well, I love you to bits. Thank you for I love you too. having Thanks. me do this craziness, which I like. Thanks for coming back. You're a special two-time visitor now. I don't even get that it's a podcast. It's just you calling me. <laughs> I like that that's, that's as natural as it, that's how it should feel, I think. And I'm, I'm glad that it does. I like that we sort of just fell into deep friendship. We didn't really have like any buildup. It was just like, hey, I know you. It's so weird. Well, isn't that like, well, you know what I believe in. It's like, hey, there's a connection somewhere. I mean, obviously, I, I, I didn't fall in full deep connection with your brother immediately, but we were in a very trying time. He right. was very task-oriented, and I was extemporaneous at that time, but I was task-oriented on another like level. 
yeah. when that we and then we met and we talked Star Wars and I was like, I love you so much. <laughs> like, I love you too. And Trish was like, Okay. Like I was like, y'all are a little weird. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. So Star Wars sealed the deal for you, for you. Yeah, and I just I I always tell him like you're the brother I never had. I have a brother, which is terrible to say, but he's like my quirky Wait. brother. I forgot to have. I love. Him. Yeah, you didn't have the nerd. The nerd. Well, now you have two nerd brothers. Right. Then you turn up, and I'm like, well, this is a good copy. Same. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of the same. Like you're both kind of tall, dorky, and del- delightful. What's the What's the diff? Well, we got some diffs, but, but it's, yeah, we, we can, we, you know, we're, we're from a mold. We're from some kind of, you know, set, I guess. Yeah. But you're both like tall, dorky, sweet, handsome, and like funny. And like, I don't know, you know, I mean, you have, do have your similarities. Let's be clear. Yeah. Well, I, I did grow up in, you know, with him as my number one model. So it's hard, it's hard to not be influenced by somebody like him. Oh, I love that. <laughs> all right all right well um, love give my love. i love you love your little dog i love your new cat who comes to visit and um we'll talk again all right baby have a good night thanks you too bye for listening everyone everyone who listened that is um which is you <laughs> so yeah i'm getting delirious and i'm gonna say good night but i want to thank my friend juliet for uh coming on again and for uh she did a pretty darn last minute as a matter of fact and i appreciate it greatly so um what else? Oh, yeah, she mentioned somewhere in there about, I asked her about her, how you practice gratitude, and she mentioned carrying a little rock around, if you happen to have trousers, or a place to put it, or hands, um, and just have that or something on you so that you could uh, use it as a little reminder to have gratitude, and then you thank whatever you're thanking, and then you thank the rock. And uh, so ever since ever since she mentioned it, I've been carrying one. It's only been a couple of days, but I've been carrying this cool little rock in my pocket. Whenever I'm feeling like a jerk, I reach in and pull it out and handle it and look at it and think about good things. And I say, I'm grateful for this and for that and for this and that. And then I say, thank you, rock. Put it back in my pocket. And there you go. It's a little something to do. It's helping. I can already feel it. I think I need every trick in the book to overcome uh, the ruts and patterns that I've created in my brain. And maybe you're similar to me in that way or in some ways. And it would do you some good to um, let go of some of that crap. And I think gratitude is one of the ways to do that. That's what I'm learning. It really, really helps. Because uh, I, you know, I spend a lot of time looking at negative stuff, and then I'm wondering why I feel bad. I don't look at negative stuff. I interpret things negatively. 
I'm looking at um, I'm looking at reality, which is devoid of value unless you place some upon it. It just is. It is what it is, always, and we decide what we think of it. But gotta admit, lately, mm-hmm, it's hard to be very positive when a bunch of dickheads are running the world. That's my new song. Um, if you would like to get in touch with Juliet, she is now a health coach. She's going to help others lose weight and get healthy in the way that she is currently doing. So in order to find Juliet, the health coach, you can email her at healthcoachjuliet at gmail.com. And Juliet is spelled J-U-L-I-E-T, like Romeo and... All right. All right, people. I love you. Believe it or not. I love myself. Believe it or not. I'm starting to believe it. I'm trying to believe it. I think it will do me some good to believe it. All right. See you next week. Bye.